Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Washington, D.C. is Tora Johnson, who's a partner at ORIC. And joining us from Fort Lauderdale is Mark Fox, who's Privacy and Research Compliance Officer for the American College of Cardiology. The two of them will be speaking at the 2023 HCCA Compliance Institute. First, before we get started, Tora, Mark, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Our pleasure. My pleasure as well. So today we're going to talk about what's the subject of your session uh, at the conference, which is HIPAA, safe harbor, and expert determination methods of de-identification. And let's start with the very fundamental question, which is what are the HIPAA safe harbor and expert determination methods of de-identification? Absolutely. There There are two methods that are permissible under HIPAA. The first one is called safe harbor de-identification, and this is a process where 18 identifiers are removed from a data set. The second one is called expert determination de-identification, and this is a process where a statistician with appropriate knowledge and experience uses generally acceptable statistical and scientific principles to determine if there's a very low risk that the information could be individually identifiable. When they do this, they have to go through the process of also applying some stipulations on the underlying data set to ensure that there is an extremely low risk of the information being re-identified. Tora, anything you want to add to the definitions themselves? Sure. On the safe harbor de-identification method, where you're removing the 18 identifiers, not only do you need to remove the 18 identifiers, once that occurs, the covered entity has to reflect and say, okay, with the information that is retained, do I, the covered entity, have actual knowledge that the information could be used alone or in combination with other information to identify an individual? So as you mentioned, Mark, on the expert determination, the statistician needs to get comfortable that there is a very low risk that the information uh, is individually identifiable. On the safe harbor method, the covered entity has to feel confident that what is uh, left can't be uh, re-identified either alone or in combination with other information. I think that second step on the safe harbor de-identification is sometimes forgotten about. So uh, I think it's helpful to remind people of that second step when using the safe harbor de-identification method. I would agree. I think oftentimes people take the list and they forget the underlying principles associated with safe harbor de-identification. Uh, on that note, uh, the other thing that is interesting about safe harbor de-identification is it's not only the identifiers of the individual that have to be removed, it's also identifiers of closely related individuals such as employers and relatives. And that is also, I think, one of the, the tricks of using the safe harbor. I mean, the safe harbor is so readily available, it's within the means of the covered entity to do so, stripping out the identifiers, but it's those nuances of also stripping out not just the identifiers of the of the individual patient or plan participant, 
but also related family members and, and employers. So in looking at that, you always have to go back to that definition of protected health information. Uh, it's not always just patients. Well, you've already mentioned the issue of the fact that it's not just patients is something that gets overlooked. Um, where else do organizations struggle? So understanding the definition of de-identification is certainly one item that I think individuals struggle with. Part of the issue is that many organizations don't do de-identification on a daily basis. And so they're in the process of, you know, having to remember how to apply these particular pieces. There are some nuances in particular to the safe harbor de-identification that have to be considered, including ages uh, with, with regards to individuals who are over 89, with regards to zip codes and the process of using the Bureau of Census data for purposes of um, categorizing areas that have a small population of individuals. And then that, that stinky 18th identifier, which is a catch-all where you have to really think about your data set and understand what could fit in to that catch-all. On that 18th identifier, you're referring, I think, to um, any other unique identifying number or characteristic of the individual and um, with fussiness to what that could be is certainly a trick of de-identification. And frankly, the other thing to keep in mind is that it's not only uh, those identifiers that Mark just picked through, uh, their telephone numbers, email addresses, the regular suspects, but there are also ones that are a little bit tricky, such as for HIPAA purposes, specifically calls out IP addresses, URLs, device identifiers. So it goes beyond really the individual, right? I don't know that IP address is always considered individually identifiable, but it, but it is for HIPAA purposes and for the identification under the safe harbor. Absolutely. Another piece that I think people struggle with is differentiating a de-identified data set from a limited data set. A limited data set under HIPAA is a data set that's removed of all of those identifiers with the exception of dates, city, state, zip code, and age. But when you're dealing with limited data set, you have to sign a data use agreement with the recipient. You're still subject to HIPAA and you have to ensure that you are permissibly disclosing the limited data set. The permissible uses of a limited data set are for research, healthcare operations, or public health. Interesting, now under the European General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, there are provisions for anonymization, uh, pseudonymization. What are they and how are they the same or different from what we see with HIPAA? Adam, that is a loaded question, I will say, um, primarily because the regulations are so new that we're still waiting for guidance on this. But to review the concepts of anonymization and pseudo-anonymization, anonymization is essentially a process of rendering personal data completely anonymous to where there is no longer a 
possibility of the information being identifiable. Whereas pseudo-anonymization is a process of determining that the, if the personal data cannot be, that, that there can be no attribution to a specific data subject without additional information, provided that you keep that additional information separate and you apply technical and organizational safeguards that are similar to the physical, technical, and administrative safeguards under HIPAA. Anonymization, the end product is data that simply cannot be re-identified and pseudonymization is short of that. There are, as, as Mark said, uh, identifiers that are, are deleted, but there is a key or a potential key kept off to the side that can be used to re-identify the data. So it is much more akin to the de-identification process under the safe harbor for HIPAA purposes. And in further comparing and contrasting anonymization, I would say anonymization is not equal to the concepts of de-identification under HIPAA, and that pseudo-anonymization is closer to de-identification, but not the same. The other thing you have to take in consideration with GDPR is just like in the United States where you have federal and state laws, with the GDPR, since it covers the European economic area, you have country-specific laws that you have to consider with regards to their specific determination or guidance on the process of anonymization. And there are certain countries that have stricter standards than others. So given all the complexity of this area and constantly evolving landscape, it's not surprising that practices and technologies keep uh, evolving. First, let me ask you too, what practices are you seeing emerge as clear leaders in this area? I think it's a race to the finish line, but, but one thing I'm seeing is tokenization. And this is a process where sensitive data is replaced with a surrogate, a surrogate value and you generally need to have standards in place, again, organizational tech, technical safeguards in place to protect the information, but, but it does allow for information to be merged in a, in a manner that, that is novel. It's important to point out that data tokenization is not the same as encryption. Well, and also, if you are using tokenization and joining data sets, which you mentioned, Mark, I think it's also important to consider whether or not at that point you you need a statistician to look at the merged tokenized data to make sure that uh, the data sets haven't become identifiable. So you may need to additionally get a um, expert determination. And, and I should mention the expert determination too, quite frankly, those are tricky. They expire over time, generally speaking, because of what we're talking about right now is new technology. So when you're weighing the pros and cons of the de-identification methods under HIPAA, do keep in mind that the expert determination usually has a shelf life. Well, and anything with technologies these days has a shelf life, which leads me to the question of, are there any technologies out there that are holding great promise? But one of the things that we're seeing is, is an evolution into the AI world. 
Um, at the time of this, take it, this taping, Microsoft is introducing a search engine for the AI world. But one of the things that I think is the wave of the future. Synthesized data is getting a lot of uh, play and consideration, particularly, I would say, in financial services and in healthcare. So uh, I, I think we'll see how that evolves, but I think synthesized data, which is taking real data and then introducing interference and additional values and manipulating the original data so it's no longer the original data set, but similar in nature and using it for uh, all the same purposes you would use the identified data for. So if you want to geek out with us and talk about these novel concepts, or if you have questions about de-identification, please come to our session at the Compliance Institute. Yes, please do. Um, uh, and thank you for this interesting conversation. I've, frankly, uh, the synthesized data concept is a new one to me. Well, thank you again for all, all of this. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletau from SCCE and ATCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <laughs>